Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives and the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. I hope you had a wonderful week and are enjoying spring if you are in the northern hemisphere of the world. If you're in the southern hemisphere, I know I have some Aussie listeners. I hope you're enjoying your fall. I'm really enjoying the weather in D.C. this past week. It's just been lovely, aside from the allergies. Um, Something I have not been enjoying is Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip 3. And because I haven't enjoyed it, I haven't really talked about it much on the podcast, and I haven't had my guests go into it. Um, I'm just overall kind of feel icky about it. It feels mean-spirited and not fun in any way to me. Um, I just, it makes me sad because I really love the other two Ultimate Girls trips. And overall, I really love the Real Housewives franchises. But this was not great casting. Um, and I just, the energy that Giselle brought, kind of trying to overproduce everything. And then this witch hunt that she has with this Casa Azul bottle, all of it was just like, too much. And also parts of it felt really mean. And I'm no Leah fan, but I did feel like they were ganging up on her. And she's not feeling good. Like, is she annoying? Yes. Does she act like a bratty teenager? Yes. Like, I I don't really ever want to see her on TV again. But they don't have to go out of their way to be assholes. And I felt like around Giselle, the worst aspects of Portia's personality came out. And I feel like that energy impacted all the women. And the only person I enjoyed watching was Whitney, <laughs> like of the the whole trip. I just I didn't really enjoy pretty much anyone. And I was quite frustrated at the season uh, or the finale episode where both Marisol and Alexia were criticizing Whitney's behavior, how she smokes pot on camera and does pole dancing and whatever. And I I did appreciate Leah bringing up the fact that Alexia married a member of a cartel. And so like, what does that say about her? She had two children with a man who made millions and millions of dollars trafficking cocaine. Like, <laughs> like if I had to decide which was a worse representation of themselves for children, I mean, I would take the cartel all day long. But in general, I did feel like Alexia, the way that she asked the question wasn't as offensive. And the next day when she apologized, I thought that was, you know, important. But Marisol, like for Marisol... <laughs> to judge Whitney being like you're a bad mom because you dance on a pole and your kids are going to see that and their friends are going to see that like come on all you do is talk about getting drunk and then say terrible things about people who are sober I I mean come on I don't know I I just felt like it was all really just mean-spirited and I I did not enjoy it overall 
Um, I am still enjoying Summer House, especially this sort of new life that we've gotten with Sam and Corey getting together. The energy that Corey brings into the house is sort of the fun energy that we used to get from Kyle many seasons ago um, and is definitely much needed. One thing I will say is I really appreciate Sam. She has such strength of character to go from this, you know, being her first time being on reality TV, being filmed 24-7 while they are in that house, early in the season being pulled aside by Maya and being told that, you know what, you talk too much, you're too much, do less. And then for her to take that and be like, you know what, no, I'm just going to be myself. I can't be anyone else and I'm not going to let anyone dim my light and just continue to be herself and then eventually wind up finding love. Like, bravo to Sam. Be true to who you are. And I appreciate the energy that her and Gabby are bringing more than anyone else on this show. I also did appreciate um, the scene with Sierra, Amanda, and Paige doing their fertility testing. I do think Sierra is very concerned about Amanda, both as a friend, but as someone with a medical background. She knows it is not great if someone stops getting their period for the better part of a year and has unexplained weight loss. Um, So she knows that Amanda is really hesitant to go see a doctor because she's afraid that she might get some bad news. So instead, they take these at-home fertility tests and they send them out and we'll see probably next episode or a few episodes from now the results that they get back. Um, And for anyone listening who is concerned about their fertility, I highly recommend getting tested, whether you do modern fertility or you talk to your OBGYN um, to just it's some simple blood tests and um, it can really help you make some decisions about future planning that you may want to do for having a family. I personally wish I had been tested earlier. Uh, By the time that my test came back, my AMH level was so low that the chance that I actually had to really do anything was such a small window. So um, luckily, the doctor that I work with was in research. So I was sort of a guinea pig of like, wow, someone with this crappy of an AMH, let's see what we can do. (laughs) And we got a couple eggs out. But um, it's certainly not what you would want to get out of an egg, uh, egg freezing journey. And so anyone that's thinking about eventually having a family, um, highly recommend doing that testing. Anyways, um, Danielle. (laughs) Watching Danielle talk to Lindsay is so frustrating because she makes such important points by focusing on how, you know what, Lindsay, I really want you to be this kind of a friend to me. And I would really appreciate if you asked me more about myself. That totally makes sense. But when she goes into the judgment of Lindsay's relationship and how fast they're moving and all of that, it kind of does detract from the things that she's asking Lindsay to do to be a friend to her. And at the end of the day, you can only bring something up to your friend so many times they're going to make the decision that they want to make. And either you live with it and you support the decision that they make or you support them or you stop being friends with them. I I feel like I can't quite figure out what Danielle's end goal is by voicing concerns that she has about Lindsay and Carl. Does she want them to break up? Does she want them to not get engaged until it's been exactly 
one and a half to two years? Like, what exactly does she think is best? And can she trust her friends to make decisions for themselves? I I think it's a really weird thing to say, like, if I'm best friends with you, I'm going to be hard on you. I... (laughs) I don't get that at all. If I'm best friends with someone, I want to support the decisions that they make. I want to listen to them. I want to hear where they're coming from, right? And if they do something that seems out of character, right, that's when I get more concerned. If they're making kind of rash decisions that doesn't seem like something that's being true to themselves, I may ask a probing question, But it has to come from a place of love and caring and knowing that whatever they say back to me, you know what, I'm going to continue to support them as my friend. And Danielle, while she makes great points about the type of friend she wants Lindsay to be to her, she loses everything by telling Lindsay that she's moving too fast with her boyfriend, that she shouldn't have bought or rented this expensive apartment. Like, let your friends make decisions for themselves and you make decisions for yourself. Like, that's how life goes. Um, There just seems to be way too much judgment. And honestly, when people have seven years of friendship as a foundation for a relationship, things can move a lot quicker. You kind of know that you get along with the person and you kind of know where things are headed. And when you're of a certain age, why wait? They want to have kids. They want to start a family. Um, You know, there is a biological clock and luckily... Lindsay froze her eggs, so she doesn't have to worry so much about that. But they want to get started with the rest of their life. And, you know, what? who's, who's to say that they're moving too fast? My God. A um, couple other things in the news. Erica Jane got a Las Vegas residency, and that's supposed to go through the end of the year. So I'm wondering if she has any sort of show that's going to be happening while um, BravoCon is in Vegas. Right now, there are November no November dates um, scheduled for her, but we shall see. Also, last week, I asked you all, who is coming to BravoCon? And no one reached out to me and said that they were. Heard from you on a lot of other things, but not BravoCon. So I really hope some of you guys are going to be going in Vegas. Um, Vanderpump Rules. So I do talk about it a bit with Anthony Lario, who is this week's podcast guest. Um, He is not a Vanderpump Rules watcher. So he's kind of gone back to the beginning, but he's trying to fill in some of the holes and they're not all there. But he does make some pretty good points. Um, we saw this week in real time that Billy Lee, who has been friends with Ariana and Tom, was pictured out with Tom and apparently stayed overnight at their house. What is it about this house? Like, are people not able to get home and go to bed in their own bed? Are they like drinking too much or using drugs that impair them from getting home safely? I, I don't quite understand this like sleepover sort of mentality. Um, as adults, it's it's a little weird to me, but um, you know, to each their own. I do feel like uh, it's fine, not it's fine, but like I understand where someone may come from who might be have been friends with both Ariana and Tom to check on Tom and and see how he's doing as well, just like 
for his well-being to but but to then be photographed and then give a statement to the press that is where she she lost me like checking on Tom whatever but to like physically be captured with him and to go out of your way to talk to the press feels icky and it feels like look at me look at me so I don't know I've never fully trusted Billy Lee she does a little bit too much and um, something feels like untrustworthy. And I do feel like hopefully after this entire situation kind of starts to die down, that Ariana does look back and think about the people that she has around her and how trusting she is and how maybe I don't want her to like become cold and untrust, you know, not trusting anyone and everything, but maybe it would be worth closing her circle in just a little bit. Anyway, this week on the podcast, I have Anthony Lario. He is so amazing. You guys know him. He's a publicist for a number of the housewives and a lot of other talent across not just Bravo, but The Challenge and a bunch of other reality and non-reality shows that we love. So he's so fun to talk to. We have a great conversation. And as always, if you like the podcast, go ahead, give it a five-star rating and leave a kind review. It helps me reach out and get new guests that I haven't had on the podcast yet. So um, go ahead and do that. If you have any feedback for me, my DMs are open. You can reach out to me at Mandy Slutsker on Instagram. Well, we will take a short break and then back with Anthony. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Hi, everyone. I am here with the lovely Anthony Lario. He is a publicist and PR maven, and he is a native of Jersey. So, of course, I have asked him to come on the podcast to talk about the Real Housewives of New Jersey. How are you doing, Anthony? Hey, Mandy. I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Um, It's so fun. Since the last time you were on this podcast, we've met in person. Which yes. is so nice. Two times. And and in like in really intimate, fun settings too. It's not just like a passing at BravoCon or something. Like we went to a full ass wedding for a mutual friend. <laughs> yes. And then shared a blooming onion at Outback. <gasps> My first. Your first. And then we spent like a whole night together in DC with my boyfriend. It was so fun. So fun. I I think you guys are gonna move to DC. I have a feeling. Honestly, I won't be upset about it if we do. Like, I, I, coming back from D.C., I didn't have that, like, post-vacation depression, which I think is a sign that usually, like, something is just so different than where you're from. And I was like, it kind of feels like Philly in a lot of ways. So I could, I could see myself moving there with Steph. It's a nice city, and I, it's so close to Jersey and Philadelphia. Yeah. It's just so nearby. And um, the food, that's important to me. The food has gotten a lot better. So I don't think like when I first moved here that it was well known 
uh, for food, but also anything was a step above where I grew up, you know, (laughs) suburbs of Minneapolis (laughs) isn't exactly like. (laughs) No, I know what you mean, because I remember going with my family when I was younger to D.C., like early middle school and not being able to find like good food, like here in New York, Philadelphia area, Jersey. But the last like few years that I've been there, I was like, oh, this shit is good. It's so good. I have the funniest story about when my family went to D.C. for the first time. So I'm in high school and (laughs) we rent a van, a minivan. Like, so I guess this is before my family clearly didn't like know a lot about taxis or whatever. (laughs) So we rented this minivan to like go to different museums and Lord knows where we parked. And all I can remember is my mom wanting us to get a picture next to one of the signs for Minnesota Avenue, because we're from Minnesota, Minnesota Avenue, wouldn't that be cute? Well, currently and 20 years ago, uh, more than 20 years ago, <laughs> it uh, Minnesota Avenue is like a little bit of a rougher area in some spots. And when we like got out of the car to try and find people to take a picture of us, like like we were very out of place and everyone was oh. kind of like, who the fuck are these people? And um, you know, we couldn't find like a like it was everything was by like a seven eleven or like a gas station, like nothing like looked like it was DC. Yeah. You know, like with like a nice monument or a nice building. And all I can remember is my mom just being like, But Wisconsin's was so nice. <laughs> Classic. Well, the idea of getting a van to go around because my parents used to do that too on vacation. I'm like, why didn't I feel like you would have saved? And I feel like they do it in the name of like saving money. And I'm like, I think that's more expensive. I think my mom in particular would not have known another mode of transportation. Got it. Do they not have taxis in the Midwest? My mom was like not the like I'm sure there were in Minneapolis. We lived outside of Minneapolis in a suburb. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of went everywhere in a van. Uh, <laughs> like, we had a minivan. That's where we went on like road trips to South Dakota and wherever else. We drove to Canada, you know. So we go elsewhere, we rent a van. Classic. <laughs> so classic Midwest. Um, okay, let's just jump right into it. So while we are currently recording, The Real Housewives of New Jersey is filming its reunion. Do you even know when the reunion is supposed to air? Like how many more episodes do you think we have of the season? God, I have no idea. Um I'm assuming that the reunion will air before the summer. So like before the beginning of June or just about the beginning, end of May, beginning of June. Okay. Yeah. I feel like that's their like usual timeline. Um, But I feel like they're filming the reunion, like not cutting it close per se, but I feel like there's only a few episodes left, right? Yeah. Okay. So I always like when that happens. So there's not as much of a lag time. So like not as much drama can happen between the end of the reunion filming and before the reunion airs. Like with Vanderpump Rules, I think there's a bit of lag time. And so there's just more things that are coming out. But we're here to talk Jersey first. Jersey had a season, I think it was season three. 
and they were filming them so fast, like the seasons consecutively. And the season three reunion was filmed or what? Yeah. was filmed the night after the season four finale was filmed. So season three was airing while they were filming season four. So stripping happened. And then the next night they went and filmed the season three reunion, the whole season beforehand. So, and that's when they stopped filming everything so close together. Okay. So everything got kind of fine. So like they filmed, so season, let me see if I can say this correctly. Season three was airing. So it had already been filmed, edited, whatever. It was airing while season four was filming. Oh, wow. Strippergate happened. And then the next night they went and filmed the season. Like it happened in real time, Strippergate. And then the next night they went and filmed the season reunion for the entire season beforehand. And so they had to pretend at the season three reunion, like Strippergate didn't just happen the night before. (gasps) I know. That feels inauthentic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Jacqueline wasn't there. Remember, Jacqueline didn't come and they were like, we're missing somebody tonight. And Jacqueline wasn't there. And it didn't make sense because she didn't have any drama in season three, but it was because of season four drama. So they stopped filming them so close together because of that. I get it. Plus, I feel like the production value has really increased. Yes. You know, so it like they spend a lot more time editing than I feel like they did in those early seasons. Yes, totally. And there's way more story, like condensed story now. Like before it was kind of just like a docu-series. Yeah. Well, tell everyone how you like got involved with the Real Housewives of New Jersey, because I think it's a really sweet story. Sure. So I was a senior in college at Villanova University, and I was doing my senior thesis on Italian women in reality TV, and do they see themselves represented, um, like a qualitative analysis. Um, And so I... Uh, Instagram messaged Margaret Josephs. It was her very first season on Jersey Show, like seven years ago. And um, asked if I could interview her. And she was like, totally. So I met up with her at a cafe in Englewood. And (laughs) um, ever since then, you know, she's been, you know, she put me up for quite a few jobs. I I worked at a talent agency right out of college. um, Just like a job I applied to by myself. And she offered me a job or connected me with a job rather that was paying me going to pay me half of what I was making. And I took the risk and I went out to New York and I, I did it and I lasted six months, but it was just the amount, right amount of time to make the contacts that I needed. And I came home and then now I do, do it all by myself, which is really nice. So I have Margaret Josephs and Amy Phillips really to thank for what I do. I love Amy Phillips. Tell us about how you met Amy and like what advice and stuff she's given you. I was like 21 years old and I DM'd Amy or I emailed her actually. No, you know what I did? I was such a crazy person. This is like eight years ago now. I <laughs> I found her producer's email and I emailed Alyssa, who's like one of my, a very close friend now and colleague. And I, I said, I just want to like come in. Like I have no qualifications, like nothing. I just want to come in there. I've written about this. 
um, for academic stuff. And she's like, sure, come on the show. And so Amy had me back so often. I must have been on there like 10 times. And um, she just really helped me and was always putting me up for stuff. And she's just great. She's fabulous. I've heard so many wonderful, like I have a lot of friends who are friends with her. You know, yeah. Mary Payne Gilbert, um, who does Pink Shade podcast. And love her. Oh, she's amazing. I love her. She's it's so nice having Can you hear Stasi? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I do love Stasi though, and I met Stasi. Oh yeah, you did meet Stasi. She's such a sweetheart. But you know, your line. I'm like, terriers aren't meant to please you. I've, right. I've been saying this all the time now. <laughs> yes, how she was not easy to train because, like, there's yes. not this goal of pleasing the owner. Yeah, Our so is untrained. <laughs> she, she, like, lately has been um, barking whenever there's like a new dog in the hallway like not in the hallway that like moved into our building and anytime that dog gets walked Stasi goes up and barks at the door to be like hey you <laughs> i run this shit like it's how do they know she like, knows all she knows all and then she goes up to her perch right above like the sofa so we're on the fourth floor and she looks down and watches as that dog walks out the front door and then goes like <laughs> like, like, like a low growl. I love when they do that, especially the terriers. <laughs> they're so cute, and it's like you're so not intimidating, but you think you are. Oh, she thinks she is. She's very sassy. Oh, my God. <laughs> so you got to know these women, and now you're a publicist, and you represent a number of them, which is yeah. so fun. Not just Jersey, but like kind of. Across, sprinkling. And not just housewives. I do the challenge and Big Brother and then some like, you know, motivational speakers and just like digital creators and and stuff like that. But um, it's funny because there's just so much drama that like happens in this world. And I've like used to be so intrigued by it, but I've like stayed out of it hardcore. I'm like, I want nothing to do with it. Right. Because it's work. Yes, it's work. And I think people uh, don't forget and they like don't understand because there's such fans of it and people have Twitter accounts and fan accounts. But I'm like, this is also people's livelihoods too. Like I remember Sonia one time said something like kind of, I, I don't know what the phrase is like, but it was, it was just true what Sonia said, kind of like directed to the fans. And she was like, I think what people don't understand is like, this is our livelihood. Like it's not just like, something that we're doing on the side, which maybe is a larger conversation because I think housewives did used to be just something these already really wealthy women did on the side. And now it's people's livelihoods. And so somebody like Sonia is like, when you're like rooting for somebody to leave the show, you're rooting for them losing the support for their family or their kids or something. And so I, it always makes me sad when I see people like fire that person. I'm like, all right. They were hired for a reason. Part of me is like, show me why you hired them. You know, yeah. show me the story that intrigued you. Show me their relationships. Show me how they get along with people who are currently on the show. Like, just show me more. Yes. You know, and I think that Jersey has done a really good job with the new people because they seem to fit in really, really well. I mean, it's a tough cast and 
Danielle, Rachel Fuda, Jen Fessler, all of them do a really good job of naturally fitting in. I mean, my personal favorite's Jen Fessler. I feel like she's like everyone's fave. I appreciate the Jewish representation and the honesty that she displays and the humor with which she approaches life. But it's interesting watching her in this last week's episode. I feel like I see her bonding with Teresa a decent amount. I feel like she's not someone who's like, oh, just because I'm Margaret's friend doesn't mean I can't connect on a you know woman to woman level with some of these other ladies. I also feel like that's the art of New Jersey in general and and kind of New York and a lot of the East Coast franchises is that West Coast kind of has like an iciness to it. That's like these are the teams and you play on your team. And I feel like just the East Coast pace in general is much less um, territorial than it is in other areas. Like it's kind of like. Yeah, you got to communicate to survive on the East Coast, where as as far as I think some places that I've seen in the Midwest or on the <laughs> West, kind of just like, oh, hi, like very cold and like, I don't know. Like, I feel like on the East Coast, you could literally have like a vendetta against somebody, but still like go out to dinner with them and share a glass of wine and like laugh and be like, oh, yeah, they're fucking hilarious. I just hate their guts. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I, I'm, I'm like thinking back to like the late 90s, you know, or like mid 90s, like East Coast, West Coast hip hop, like East yeah. Coast versus West Coast housewives. If we had to yeah. get all the housewives together and they had to pick a coast and they had to battle for like who was better, would you always be East Coast? I think that they're different. Like also... <sighs> It's like, like you just brought up Jen Fessler. She's a good example because she actually legitimately, I think, gets along like with everybody in some way, or she can at least isolate a personality point from each person that she identifies with and can relate to. Um, I think that a lot of the West Coast women are very one way, which can be polarizing in like an entertaining format. But, you know, if you notice like a lot of the West Coast storylines are about just one thing the whole year, like puppy gate or, um, you know, on orange County, the cancer scam or Denise Richards or Erica Jane. It's always just one topic. Whilst the East coast ones like, you know, Potomac, Jersey, New York, Atlanta are about a lot of different things, like all at once. And people make up halfway through. But if I, if I think they're going to go toe to toe to each other, I feel like the West Coast girls are much better at icing people out, which can drive an East Coast person bonkers because you're just like, why are you doing this to me? And an East Coast person can destroy a West Coast person with their words, I think. Yeah. Although I would like to see Tamara Judge kick it with the East Coast ladies because I feel like, yeah, I feel like she can rise to the occasion. Um, Okay. So I have Same a couple. Uh, Rena Cook too. Rena's not my fave. I know. I know she's not. <laughs> I used to love her, but I feel like she's just gotten to. When people start behaving as if they're a caricature of themselves, totally, it doesn't feel authentic anymore. And I don't wish her ill. It's just she stopped being entertaining to me. I get it. I get what you mean for sure. 
you know, I don't want her to lose her livelihood, but, you know, I also think that she can go back to doing those Depends commercials and still sit pretty in, in Beverly Hills. So, <laughs> um, Listen, okay. She is doing great. I have some questions for you. Okay. Number one, is being called a rat that bad in Jersey? Yeah, I do think it is. Really? I th- it is. Yeah. I mean, I... Explain. I remember, well, I remember growing up in, uh, you know, South Jersey. So I'm near Philadelphia, like one mob capital. And then the North Jersey kids were near New York, another mob capital. And I feel like a lot of that vernacular just like carried over regardless of whether you had any affiliation or not. And it just became like a bad word. Like it's like a, like a slur in some sort of ways. Like it's just, it kind of is. And so it's just like a bad word that is it, people. Is it like being a snitch? Well, yeah, I think that's what it means by like definition is like a snitch but I feel like something that they fail to like address on the show is that it just is like a bad word. Like of okay. course it means that, but it's like something that you like really don't call somebody unless you're like pissed at them. Like a see you next Tuesday. Yeah. It's kind of like okay. that. That yeah. doesn't translate for me outside of Jersey. Like I don't think being called a rat is a, ter- I mean, it's not a great thing. But I wouldn't be as offended as I saw Rachel. And all the women seemed to think it was equally offensive, which made me think it was a cultural thing that I just was missing. Even Margaret and Jennifer, who are not Italian, uh, Jen Fessler, were like, woo, because you just know (laughs) graphically, like, it's not a cute thing to be called. I think Margaret even said in one of her interviews, like, call me to see you next Tuesday, but, like, I'm not a rat. Like, I think it's just a picture of like somebody who's like weak and willing to give up on their loyalties which is like an important thing i think in jersey and italian and jewish culture is like your loyalties to your family and turkish too with jennifer you have three really strong cultures on that show you know yeah i wasn't thinking about it that way but that that does make sense it, yeah there's so many interesting things that happen on Jersey that I just feel like are so different from so many of the other franchises. Like, so this whole kids, like bringing up someone's kids, it doesn't really happen on the other franchises. Like no one's talking about each other's children or in a way that's um, where people get like so offended. Now, if I were to write a thesis on Jersey, it would be the kids have never been off limits. You've all always talked about your kids, other people's kids, everything, even though you all say that they're off limits, none of you have behaved as if they truly are. Because we've heard, you know, crap about Gia, crap about Melania, stuff about Antonia, you know, and um, so it's just very funny to me to like see Melissa be all up like, oh, my God. I would never mention the children where I'm like, but your husband went after Gia, which rightly so she, I thought she was being disrespectful. Like she's an adult. Like, I don't know if you want to act like an adult, then you can be treated like an adult, you know, anyways. Um, and then, you know, I don't know. It, it's just like an odd thing that they are, they're 
both Teresa and Melissa are consistently looking to see the worst in each other to a point that's like, I don't even think half the time they're intending to hurt each other as much as they do. Yeah, no, I I totally see what you're saying. And I, I, I think that the amount, like when you, cause I've tried to put it in like my family's terms and I'm like, okay, like we're similar demographic and, you know, I do get why they feel the way that they feel because first of all, there's so much history and, um, did this episode already air the hen party Did that happened already? Mm-mm. Not yet. Uh, you'll, it was, it's in the they preview. They showed right? a preview of, yeah. um, Melissa like drawing a picture for Teresa and having tears in her eyes. There, I think you'll see a really good insight into like the other side of it, yeah. like where like, and I don't mean like anybody's particular side. I mean the other side of the hurt in general, and like why there is so much hurt. And I think it just has a lot to do with like family history, and it's very intense, especially for like all 100% Italian families who it's like, cause I was thinking I was trying to do the math in my own family of what Melissa's mother would mean to like me. So that would be like my brother, Dominic, if Dominic got married, then his spouse's mother. Right. So this is a thing in Jewish culture too. So uh-huh. Yiddish is the only language that has a term for your child's in-laws. Okay. Because you're supposed okay. to have a relationship with yeah. your children's in-laws. So like yeah. my dad has a relationship with my sister-in-law's parents. Got it. Right? Got it. Even though yeah. they're not Jewish, like it's it's a thing, right? And they're invited to like if I get married, they're invited because we're like all family, though, right? Like I feel yeah. like that's typical that that is a relationship that you would invite, right? No, so no? Okay. <laughs> I don't think it is. It I think yeah. I think some cultures like you marry in, and then people are like, okay, we're family. Right. It doesn't matter that you just married in. We're family and family is family. And you're not now going to start getting invited to absolutely every family event. Whereas most, at least in the Midwest that I've noticed, cultures, especially people like Scandinavian, whatever, like you're either family or you're not. And you don't just like marry in and people warm up to you that quickly. But (laughs) at least my family, like the, the Jewish side is kind of, um, okay, we're family now. Like my dad married my stepmom who comes from like a Lutheran Norwegian background. They all grew up on a farm. They all kind of have like a pecking order. Like the oldest sibling makes decisions still like things like that. You know, everyone gives each other space. No one questions who voted for who or any, like everyone's like so proper. And then my dad shows up and like I show up and we just fuck it all up. Like we act like we've known people for way longer than we have. We're like, yeah, it's family. You know, (laughs) like that's how I feel. I feel like they love it, but it's very different. 
feel like Jewish culture and Italian culture is like very similar in that yes. way. Yes. Extremely similar. A and little it, bit less on the loyalty stuff. It's sort yeah. of that I don't get so much, but very much in like it is rude to have an event where you're inviting hundreds of people and not invite people who are part of your family and in-laws count. Totally. Totally. So I, I see that. And I, I think Teresa knew what she was doing. Um, blind loyalty thing. That's what it is. It's like, there's a difference between loyalty and blind loyalty. Yeah. People are very into the blind loyalty, which is like a weird concept to me. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we definitely have that. And I, 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 I can recognize that it's strange, but yes, we do have that. But it's, and it's not just a Jersey thing. It's a housewives cultural thing. I think people feel very strongly about who is loyal to them, even if they're wrong and they appreciate people being loyal to them, even when they mess up. You look at Atlanta. I remember that was kind of like the gist of like Nini and Kent or Nini and uh, Cynthia's falling out. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I mean, one really good example and also like not assuming the worst or kind of feeling like it's us against everyone else. So here, like it's like housewives and people who are on Bravo versus fans versus tabloids versus Instagram accounts kind of a thing. When all the shit went down with Erica Jane, so many of those housewives stood with her. Yes. For no other reason than just like, hey, we know how things can get spun. We know how people can look bad. Until more comes out, we're going to stand with this woman, right? And she very much, I think, appreciated that. But none of us as fans kind of understood it. We're like, but... She hasn't done anything to like deserve a loyalty. And like, it was frustrating as a fan, I think, too, when you're not acting. Because you could argue both ways. One, that's not authentic. If you found out somebody was doing X, Y, and Z, then you would say X, Y, and Z. But also it is authentic in the way that like my best friend Morgan Lamada, she like I'd, I'm always on her side, like, you know, no matter what. So, you know, I get it both ways. Yeah, it's just like there's a uh, Jersey so fascinating to me. I at the same time. Okay, so last week on the podcast, I had Dr. Adina Newman, who's a genealogist. She does my family genie and she's actually Oh, I really like her. She's lovely. And she did Margaret's genealogy. And she says the best conversation she talked to Dolores on the phone about her genealogy. And um, but she did say something that was um, so funny to me as someone who's very in sort of interested in international affairs is that she views Margaret versus Jen Aiden as like the proxy war versus Teresa and Melissa. And Teresa and Melissa are the, like the U.S. and the Soviet Union during the Cold War. And like Jen Aiden wow. is like Cuba. <laughs> And we have the Cuban Missile Crisis. Like, it's it's they're what? arguing because um, at the end of the day, Margaret's always loyal to Melissa, and Jen Aiden is always loyal to Teresa. And because Teresa and Melissa can't go head to head in arguments, they always like fight and then back down, fight and back down because they keep thinking about how what they're saying is going to hurt the other, and it 
it keeps them from going like the whole way into the fight. Like they always half-ass fight. Like even just this whole thing in the van where, you know, Teresa mentioned Antonia and Melissa got mad. and But like they both retreated pretty quickly. Yes, they right? do. So, but Jen Aiden and Margaret never retreat. Like they oh. go all in on each other. And I just couldn't get enough of this like proxy war. It's it's so real. I mean, I always say too, I think that, and I know a lot of people get sick of their fights, Jen and Margaret. I find them just consistently entertaining to watch because even though they've gotten deep, I never really see them as that deep when I'm watching them. I'm just like, it's fun. I, I don't know why. I just find them so funny. I think that sometimes, and I think we've even said this before on the on your podcast. I see them as having like a big sister, little sister thing. And I feel like the fans who are listening will probably be like, what, what do you mean? (laughs) But I just, I'll always go back to, there was this scene of them in the Hamptons. um, I think like two seasons ago or three seasons ago. And they're in one of the stores together and they're just having the most fun time ever together. Like they're laughing and like looking at the little pieces. Oh, this would be great for Marge Senior. Oh, this would be good for my mom. And I feel like they just have this banter. You know, a lot has happened, but I I feel like there's some alternate reality where Margaret and Jennifer Aiden could get along. And maybe it's if this war wasn't involved in the middle. I think so. I also think Margaret has trouble with the women on the cast who have old school slash traditional values. Like, I think she sees Jen Aiden as maybe, I I could be wrong, as being weak for staying with Bill and not standing up to him and demanding to be treated a certain way. I I do think she views, like, you know, and, and maybe it's because she was in a marriage where she didn't feel she was treated well. And she ended up getting out of that marriage, you know, that I don't know, but there's, there's definitely a judgment of Jennifer Aiden that I don't necessarily, but Jennifer Aiden also judges Marge for her behavior. It's, it's old school versus new school. Yeah. You know, it's old school versus new school. Like Margaret's very like current and modern and just like a, like a modern woman for like lack of better terms. And I think that Jennifer is like traditionalist, but not in the same way that Dolores is right. uh, in like a, a di- much different way. But then Dolores kind of, I, I always find it funny. Dolores can kind of empathize with both. Like she'll be like, Oh, I understand what they're saying. And I also understand what they're saying. Cause I feel like she's lived both of those lives. You know, she's lived the traditional Italian woman, you know, kind of like Nona esque vibes. And then has also lived this like, I am woman, hear me roar, like life as well. And um, so that's interesting to watch. Um, I just wonder, like, when, when I watch it too, like, you know, Dolores' mom. Did you see the I am, dear God, it's me, Margaret? It was very cute. So adorable. It's one of my favorite promos I think Bravo's ever done. Um, I'd love for Dolores and her mom to sit down. And I've I've never seen this. I don't think this has ever been filmed them talking about what happened with Dolores and Frank with her mom there. Cause her mom is like the epitome of the old school, like having the Pignoli cookies for breakfast. Like she is like that Italian mom. And I would love to hear what she thought about the divorce. Cause divorce is like a big deal too. For yeah. Italian as well. 
It is. I, what I thought was the most fascinating part of the whole, honestly, maybe the whole season at this point, is the conversation that they had in the van where Jackie asked, do you guys view infidelity as a deal breaker in a marriage? Mm. Mm. And everyone had a different reaction, right? Yeah. And it led to this um, story that Jen Fessler shared about being separated from her husband for two years. and. Yeah them getting back together. But, um, you know, I was most not shocked, but um, have very difficult, like I have difficulty relating to the whole like Dolores, like, you tell me that you'll stay faithful to me, and I'll never bring any of this shit up again. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, I could never, I could never do that. That's like saying, like, I can bury things deep down and it doesn't matter how much it harms me because I am going to put your needs above my own. Like, I, I just don't view that as, as healthy and I can't imagine doing that. And just the fact that Frank was like, yeah, I can't be faithful. I, I, I couldn't believe it when she said that. I thought that she was going to say, he tried, and then it didn't happen. She had to walk away. I had I can't even imagine Frank Catania doing that, especially with how he acts with Dolores now in real time. I can imagine him being honest with her, and he was. The question is, and she was so young. This is probably the answer, right, is age. But, like, yeah. how do you enter into a marriage without having a conversation about infidelity? Yeah. Everyone I know of my close friends that's married – has had this conversation. Like, is it a deal breaker? You know, um, what what would happen if we cross that bridge? Like, you never want it to go there, but it happens sometimes. And for some people, they're like, I need you to know that this is a deal breaker for me. And if you ever do something like that, you will see me gone. I don't care how long we've been together. I don't care how many children we have. I don't care how much we owe on our mortgage. I will be out of there. Um, and other so, people are different. You know what? It's so weird. I don't even know what deal breaker means. I do feel like it is a deal breaker for me, but that doesn't mean I wouldn't stay and fix it. So like, I don't know what deal so breaker I, means. It means you wouldn't stay and fix it. Say, yeah. Right. And I like, we've seen this in public so many times and there's so much judgment for staying. I think like when Hillary Clinton was so publicly cheated on. And then chose to stay with her husband, even though she was like kind of a feminist icon. I was shocked by that. Yeah. I was also a child. <laughs> so Yeah, but but we know you were like watching C SPAN. Oh and, yes. 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 And, yeah. And I also I mean, I didn't know that infidelity was real. I thought it was something, I'm not kidding, when I was a child, I thought it was made up for TV to be dramatic. What? I didn't think people actually did that to one another. Oh my God. Until Bill Clinton did it. And my parents had, like, I had so many questions. I was like, why would he do that? Is it, did he really do that? Do people really do that? I thought that was just in movies. My parents had to be like, yeah. <laughs> I, I'll never. I'll never forget. I think the most like accurate depiction of like somebody cheating on somebody or the possibility was um, in, I think season five of Jersey when Caroline Manzo was asked, you know, about her husband cheating. And she was like, I never said that he cheated. 
I said, I'd be a fool to think that maybe he has it. And I'm like, that's like kind of crazy, but also like, is she speaking, spitting facts? Like, I don't know. Like, she's like, we've been together for literally 35 years. I'd be a fool to think that I'm the only woman he's ever been with ever. Well, so I think there is a certain group of people and I, I like I can't depict them. I can just tell you if you're there in the group or not who view all men as being capable of cheating. Um, yes. A good example, like Giselle, Robin, like Carolyn Manzo. Um, I mean, I think Teresa up until she met Louis, you know, a lot of women seem to be like, oh, yeah, all men do that. Right. Yeah. And and that is just not how I grew up. Like I grew up in a family of women who were more kind of in charge of things and men yes. who catered to their women. And yeah. so this is just like not even people who just wouldn't think about it, right? Like it doesn't totally. matter if you're having a bad year in your marriage, if you're having a tough time, if someone's showing you attention, they just don't give off the energy that they're looking for anything ever because they're clueless. Like my dad, I remember I asked my mom when all this shit went down with Bill Clinton, I was like, are you ever worried? Like dad works with a lot of women and they're young. Like, and she was like, she just laughed and she's like, yeah, he wouldn't notice. Like, (laughs) and he wouldn't, right? It's like he had eyes for no one else. That's just like how he is. And then now he's married again and there's like no other woman. It's just like he's just a one man, one woman kind of guy. And my brother, I mean, we we were just talking about this when we were all on vacation together. My sister-in-law was like, oh, he's just not clever enough to cheat. Like, he's just. I always say that about my dad. I'm like, he's just not clever <laughs> enough to cheat. He would like leave receipts everywhere. He would like put it in their shared calendar. <laughs> like, she's like, he just, he can barely keep his own life straight. Like, <laughs> Like, there's no way he's adding in something that he's trying to juggle. <laughs> My brother was saying this to me yesterday about cheating because we were talking about it in the car. And he was like, I think a lot of people who cheat, like, and I feel like this is a harsh statement. Um, he, my brother's like the biggest anti-cheating advocate because in high school he got cheated on by his high school girlfriend with his best friend. Oh. It was they gradu- right when they graduated high school and they he and his girlfriend going to different colleges and his best friend hooked up with his girlfriend. And it's like uh, a Friday night light situation. Yeah. And then they ended up and they're still dating now in real time. (gasps) Obviously they were meant for each other, but (laughs) it's like really hardcore views on it. He's like, I feel like you don't actually love the person you're with if you're cheating on them. And I don't think that's true. I think humans are so capable of flaw and, Sometimes I think the reason why we see it in higher demographics in places like the Italian community, which I guess don't quote me on it, but I feel like I know so many Italian men who cheat on their wives um, and not really the other way around either. Um, Well, it's misogyny. Like men are allowed to do certain things and women aren't and women uphold it. Yes. By judging other like this judgment of Margaret and her cheating um, with Joe and then, you know, on her first husband and then not a whole lot of judgment for Bill. No, none. Right. So none. 
I mean, you'll... I don't want to give anything away, but... You'll see. You'll see more. We'll it's just, um, but I, I don't think that's true. I think you can love someone and cheat on them. I think um, love is complicated and relationships are complicated and people can bounce back. Look at Jen Fessler and, and her husband. I have friends who've been through infidelity and come out the other side, but you have to put work in. Yes. I think that's the one thing that they don't tell you about relationships. I've never been the person to talk about relationships ever. And I, Still, because I I hadn't had like a real partner ever or boyfriend until Stefan, who I'm going to get married to. And I didn't really understand like the maturity of it. I was just like, who cares if people cheat on people? Like, what happened? (laughs) Like, who gives a fuck? But I do understand that a relationship is work. I used to think that was straight people jargon. That it was like, oh, a relationship's work. I was like, why is a relationship work? Like, that's just you, Nancy Joe, and your husband, friend. No, a relationship is work. It is. Um, yes. And so that that's interesting. And, and we see that in these housewife shows, too. And you look back at, like, season one of Atlanta, and I remember how they were all married. And, like, one by one, it was just, like, divorce, divorce, divorce. And Orange County. <gasps> oh, my oh, God. Yeah divorce 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 and um it's crazy to watch i feel like jersey's had the least amount of divorces because i think of the culture of the culture but not that it was the culture in like orange county and stuff i think that on the west coast it was the the men couldn't stand the women being in the spotlight it's true. Let me look up the divorce rate, though, in Newport Beach, because it's crazy. Well. <laughs> 72% of marriages in Newport Beach with a population of 80,000. Um, that is nuts. And in divorce, 72%. Well, you know, I watched Selling the OC, so I feel like I can answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got it. Um, okay, but talking, speaking about relationships, that's, let's head over to uh, that part of the country, just a little bit north in West Hollywood, mm-hmm. <laughs> or should we say Valley Village? Um, so this week on Vanderpump Rules, we see these nuggets of like, Allie, James's girlfriend, has seen Tom and Raquel, Tom Sandoval and Raquel dancing at the Abbey at 1am and thought, that's really odd. Where's Ariana? And like little nuggets keep getting sprinkled. And there's a lot of all the stuff gets unveiled with Garcelle and Garcelle's son. And I'm wondering, well, there's just so much. But do you know, like, is Garcelle's son Oliver aiming to try and get on these shows? Like, why would he go on a show? be so messy with his wife slash ex-wife publicly try and get with Raquel and then it all blow up in his face. Like, is there an audacity that he thought he wouldn't about get? This you didn't know about this? I remember I when this happened. About this today. I, I was listening to Judgy Girls and um, they were talking about it and then I came back and I was making myself lunch and I put it on. And I, I'm not, like, a super religious watcher of, like, these past couple seasons. The Real Moms of Bravo, Vanessa and Abby were like, you need to go back and start from the beginning. So I did, like, a couple weeks ago. Um, 
from the beginning yeah. of season 10 or from like no, season one, one. Oh, yes of course well anthony i know i went back and i started it i don't know why he's doing what he's doing part of me at first was like well bravo does love like a good crossover and you know they like they obviously value garcelle as like a talent on their network and so you know but i didn't know how like legit real it was <laughs> i was like oh Oh, they're like, actually, it's actual drama. Um, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I can't answer that. What I can answer for you, though, is something I'm a very controversial opinion on. Tell me. Okay. Kind of goes into what we were talking about before with cheating. Mm-hmm. I just, I obviously think Tom is wrong for cheating on Ariana. Mm-hmm. I obviously think that Ariana is wrong. I mean, not Ariana. Raquel, Raquel is wrong for, you know, be, be having an affair with one of her best friend's long-term partners. You know, marriage by state law, whatever they have. Um, but I don't think anybody else on that cast has anywhere even close to a specimen of righteousness to speak out about it like they are. I saw Sheena and Lala and all these people who I didn't know other than from Instagram speaking out about it in real time, the levels that they're going to, the lengths, just like how they're ragging on these people. And I've gone back and I've watched from season one and I'm like, you ladies have no room to stand on at all in my opinion especially Lala and Sheena I'm like stop it right now like (laughs) what is so I I guess what I'm not getting is like is it just because Tom and Ariana are like an iconic couple like I obviously get for people who know them it's devastating for them but in the grand scheme of the TV show it's not that much different than stuff that's happened time and time again i think what's different i think the difference is that how long it went on and Mm -hmm. how much um ariana did for raquel like she took her into the their home she they like helped her get on her feet after the breakup they you know like watch out for her like she was another child like another one of their pets. Yes. And the level of betrayal, like they had to go to such extremes to lie. Um, it, that like the level of it, but you're right. Like, I think. So I'm not there yet. So I haven't seen that. I haven't. Yeah. I, I do think it it is, um, more devious than some of the other cheating that has happened, which with Jax, it would be like a one night thing, which is terrible. And he would, lie and lie and lie and lie and then eventually fess up but this is like a, like seven months long affair and you're doing ter- like at the same time this is happening you're asking ariana to sign paperwork to refinance your your shared home to put money into his business yeah, oh God. like real shitty stuff <laughs> like it's pretty bad um that's pretty bad it's pretty bad but i don't like the high horse that Lala has always been on, you know, as if she knows more, like I can't get over the fact 
that she thought that before age 30, she knew enough and had lived enough life to write a fucking book, a memoir. Now, all the interesting stuff has happened and none yeah. of it's in the book because yeah. she wrote it too early, yeah. you know, and I've, you know, she's just someone who I feel like constantly needs to be humbled, but I do think she was by the situation. And I really appreciated like the conversation that her and Raquel had. I constantly have to like watch it with two hats on one where I know what Raquel is capable of and what oh. she's done to harm someone. And the other where I'm just watching is if I don't know. And in that version, Raquel was strung on by Oliver. Now everyone's hating on her for being a mistress she didn't know he was with someone and she's always going to get the hate and he's always going to get off scot-free. And that was that conversation yeah. at the end of the episode. And Lala kind of, and she, Raquel was like, I get, I get it now. You were this in the Randall situation. You believed him that he was separated. And when it later found out that he wasn't, you know, like you just never, you, you always believed him, you know? And, and you get labeled the mistress and he doesn't get labeled anything. Yeah. So yes. I I do believe like Sheena, when she cheated or she was with Eddie Cibrian. Yeah. Brandy. She totally thought he was single. Like, I do not believe there is an ounce of her that thought that he was married with kids, that he she thought he was separated from Brandy. And I believe that. I believe wholeheartedly that Lala also thought this about Randall. I think they were young. I think they were naive. And I think that they like weren't looking for the signs. And how is Raquel significantly younger than them? Yeah, not that much younger than Lala. She's maybe four years younger than Lala, but she is like nine years younger than than how old Sheena. Is Lala? Lala's thirty two. She just turns thirty two in the episode. Wow, isn't that crazy? She's the same age as Rachel Fuda. Rachel Fuda's too young. <laughs> I like don't want to hear about her age. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> it's crazy to me, like thinking about like remember the first big Bravo one was um like that Jax was older than Teddy Mellencamp. I can't. I can't. And, like and everybody it's, was it's, like, What? Yeah, it's it's uncomfortable. <laughs> Just, you know, and now that I'm getting to the age that housewives are, it's such an unusual thing where I like, I feel so much younger than them. What's the youngest housewife was 27? 26, Ashley Darby, season one of 26? She was 26. What? Yeah. Was she really? Yeah. Go back, watch. It's nuts. I remember her being young, but I didn't know she was. I think that she's thirty-four young. now. Wow! Yeah, you're right. She's thirty-four. Yeah. Yep. Oh my god, that is absolutely crazy. Candace was very young too, her first season, and I think she seems extra young because you don't see her being a a stepmom because they yeah. don't really film his kids so much. They were in like one episode once, but she's with his kids a decent amount of the time, but you don't see her doing that. So she, she also always like appears younger by being with her mom and crying oh. and 
that I'm kind looking of stuff. at um, Ashley on her first season right now. Photo. She looks like a baby. She was, and she was married to that old ogre. I can't believe that. Yeah. Oh my god, she is really young. Oh, I mean, I so, remember so at the time when Megan King came on Orange County. She was the youngest ever housewife. She, she was, was what twenty. 29. Nine. And then Kim Zolciak said she was 25. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching her in that first season reunion where she's wearing like that vest, you know, and she talks about how she like maybe oh had cancer, but not cancer. And then the 29 came out and I was like, that's impossible. It's in impossible. In the parking like, lot of a Chili's. Remember she was like, I was in the parking lot of a Chili's. And I found out that she also smokes and I know a lot of them smoke, but she looks like she smokes. Okay. Can I tell you, I'm going to spill one housewife secret. Okay. Okay. Cause I don't spill anything when I was like 22, I'm 27. So it wasn't that long ago, but when I was like 22, maybe I spilled like something and I was like, I regret this immediately. I'll spill something that's just like kid worthy. But maybe not. Go for maybe, it. Maybe you know a lot of them spoke. Oh, I know that. What? Yeah, a I lot. know. Like on New York, like I know Luann. Like I've seen a lot of them, right? Yes. Yes. But she looks like she's been aged by smoking. But I will say, like maybe like seventy, maybe like over half are doing some form of nicotine all the time, even if it's not cigarettes. Like just like I have my vape, like a lot of them are vaping or like doing something. And I think it makes sense like age wise, like demographic wise, because they're like at like, you know, the age where people were like smoking when they were in high school and then like probably quit and then are nicotine. But I always think it's funny seeing in real life in person and then hearing about things that happen like in between filming scenes where like people like are going and running out and getting jewel pods and stuff like that. Yeah, well, that's it's super addictive. So once you start, it's it's hard to stop. But um, it's just funny to me that they're so focused on being youthful and their skin and like yeah. all this stuff. And I'm like, there's literally nothing worse than you can do for your skin than smoke it's cigarettes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I always think about that. And then I, you know, what's interesting too. Like we're even watching them order in Dublin. Almost every New Jersey order, like, I'm like, oh, my God, that sounds good. That sounds good. That sounds good. And you, like, go over to Orange County and, like, watch them order. And it's like, I'll have the chicken from Chase, but can you not bread the chicken? And actually, just plain piece of boiled chicken. Substitute the pasta for broccoli with no salt or pepper on it. And you're like, ew. <laughs> like, that's what my mom makes my dog for dinner. Clearly <laughs> boiled chicken. I know. I think they I mean a lot of them were going through those fitness competitions. Like when Tamara did that competition, when Teresa like you eat clean, quote unquote, which means you have like no salt, no sauce of any kind, no oil, like it's awful. They even have olive oil, like extra virgin olive oil. I know. I know. Pressing to watch. I'm going to Puerto Rico tomorrow morning. I'm um, treating myself. Oh, and Stefan too. Okay. <laughs> That's so fun. It's like a court, like my court, like I don't follow like the normal quarters. Um, mm-hmm. 
Like, I have quarters by one of my talent who's not in the Bravo sphere, just finished filming a show. I can't reveal what it is. Jersey's filming today. The reunion. Yeah. And so I'm just like, woo, I'm okay. done. Going on vacay. Going on vacation. Like, I can relax now. So one final question for you. As someone who works as a publicist, what is the um, most frustrating thing that talent do? And what is the most, like, complicated part of your job? Like, not a thing a specific talent did, but just, like, a general, like, I don't know, that a lot of them do that is annoying or difficult. Um, I, I think that what I think that probably like hyper fixating a lot of talent on like all shows. And this goes for like my some people that I have that are like actors and not just like reality TV show people. Um, not that there's anything wrong, not just reality TV show people, you know, expanding to actors is that they'll hyper fixate on like very small things. Like, a tweet that has, I don't know, 2000 views on it. When the show is getting like 2 million views or the movie's getting 2 million views, but they hyper fixate on that tweet. And it's like really hard to talk somebody out of that mindset. Um, Cause you just don't get it. And I think it's something that's like instilled in you since you're in middle school. Like you could go to school in an outfit that you think is kick-ass. A million people will tell you it's kick-ass and somebody's like, ew, those shoes are disgusting. And that's all you think about. Like, it's it's a real thing. I think that's probably the most frustrating. I used to have a very frustrating thing on, um, she, the woman's no longer my client, but she was a housewife who just thought that she knew what she, she was doing all the time. Like, didn't want to take any advice. You know, they hire you and they'll pay you money, but then, like, not giving you not taking any of your advice and she ends up being a one season wonder. So it was like, well, you didn't take my advice. You didn't but listen. Wrong, they'll blame you. So I was right. blamed. Of course. Of um, course. The most challenging part is probably getting like too um, invested. Cause I really think PR is like, it's the liaison between your personal and public life. Mm-hmm. So you do really invested in in them and their personal lives and their success. And it's great because I'm like very passionate about what I'm doing. Like I'm excited to take off for a week or so, but I'm also like going to like miss it. Like I sent my text today, like the do not contact me for a week. And I know that I'm going to be the one who breaks it. Like I'm yeah. going <laughs> to do things. Like, so that's probably what it is, is you get very attached. Like there's people who I've worked with who I don't work with anymore who I still just like love so much and like I need to keep in contact with. And you would never do that with like your old boss or something. Like I'm in I'm, touch with yeah. a lot of people I've worked with. But yeah, I you're right. Stay at their houses and like play with their kids and stuff. And so yeah. I'm like it's just like a bond that is like unbreakable, which is nice because you like go through things with them. Yeah. Mm. That must be very emotionally draining to do for work. It's like basically like almost therapy half the time where you're listening and you're providing feedback, but you're yes. trying to do it with a lens of like how this will look publicly and how this can advance you rather than like through 
psychology. Yes. Like the best moments are like the moments where like Umrit from Family Karma is nominated for a GLAAD award. Mm-hmm. Like that's fabulous. Like that's like the biggest accomplishment ever. And I'm like, that's a proud like dad moment for me. But like, it's also like, I'm so invested in these GLAAD awards. Like it's all I'm thinking about is the GLAAD awards on May 13th. Like, are they going to win? Are they going to win? And, like, I know that if they don't win, I'm going to take it just as hard. You know what I mean? Oh. Well, I, I'll i root for them. <laughs> yeah. So, I should see if we, at work, we work with GLAD. I don't, but other people at work do. I wonder, I'm assuming the policy people have nothing to do with who wins the awards. Who <laughs> am I trying to rig the GLAD awards? Please <laughs> make it a policy that they win the GLAD awards. <laughs> well, Anthony, thank you so much for joining. Tell everyone where they can find you and if there's anything that you want to plug. Sure. You can find me on Instagram at Anthony Lario, A N T H O N Y L A R I O. And you can DM me if you have a question about your own uh, social media marketing, personal brand marketing, or public relations. If you ever. Be me, just send me a DM. I'm always happy to chat and take a phone call and whatever. Oh, you are the sweetest. Well, wishing you and Stefan so much fun on your vacation. And I look forward to hanging out with you guys, maybe on the Jersey Shore sometime this summer. This summer, baby. Oh, what, guys, we are taking Mandy out. Yes. Nights at the Tropicana Casino. And we are going to be, I'm going to be shoving cigarettes down her throat. Oh, I've never had a cigarette, so that won't happen. But <laughs> I'm going to be shoving vodka rebels down. Sure, I'll do that. Let's do it. Oh my god, sounds so much fun. <laughs> right, doing it. Well, we will talk soon. Enjoy your vacation. Thank you.